and welcome to the Future Proof podcast from the north of England with Sarah and Stephen Waddington. We'll be talking about what's hot and what's not on the internet in marketing, media and public relations. Hi Sarah, how are you doing? I'm very good. It's been a while since we've done one of these. I know, we've got hit the first quarter. We're not doing too great in terms of our output. No. So <laughs> We're back on it. Let's see if we can... Uh step it up this month some tricky issues to talk about today right right we've got quite a lot actually for a short 20 minute podcast we're going to talk a little bit about the issues surrounding the recent death of caroline flack we're going to talk about one of the big global issues we're seeing at the moment coronavirus and a little bit about news agendas and as usual we'll talk about dates of the diary just things we're up to so let's talk about caroline flack we were in iceland when we discovered the news stuck in a hotel in a storm yeah really shocking tragic news and actually really impactful i think um i don't think i've met anybody who hasn't who i was aware of as a presenter who hasn't been a saddened but be quite shocked by the news yeah so for people who don't have the context caroline flack hugely hugely popular news presenter most recently best known for love island although prolific career before that sadly took her own life and um there was a huge resulting backlash following that against the media now we're not going to comment on caroline's personal circumstances we don't know them i don't think anyone can right yeah exactly and also when people choose to take their own life there's a lot of complex issues behind that that's not what we're interested in what we're interested in is the state of the media today and where responsibility lies in terms of i guess good taste and decency so it was fair to say that caroline flight was hounded by the tabloid media because she was so popular every story they wrote and you know in the days leading up to her death there were numerous stories every single day about her personal relationship about her career and the fact she was due in court because of an incident that happened in her private life absolutely hounded but this Uh, had been going on for years right yeah and the very fact is because she drove attention for the tabloid media she helped the tabloid media sell copies of their newspapers albeit they're dwindling but more importantly advertising online advertising online and i think that's that's the real issue so we've got ourselves into a in the in the media industry there's this narrative that mainstream media is is in decline well yes it is print media is is in decline but that's been replaced in dramatic fashion by a shift to digital in shifting to digital it's a game to get attention and that means journalists writing articles that tr- typically trigger some sort of emotional reaction so that in social or through a newspaper's own digital yeah, below products, the line comments yeah um it it drives traffic and you know typically it's greed envy jealousy it's the negative aspects of, of human emotion i had a quick look before we jumped on the podcast just to check out the the numbers for print media and in this shift to digital and you know over the last 10 years the sun and the daily mail have dropped by 50 percent their print subscriptions that's daily so the sun is now at 3.1 sorry 1.4 million the daily mail similar but 
in terms of online daily readers across multi-platform, multi-platform being their website, being their digital assets such as as, as apps, there are 8.5 and 6.5 million. It's massive staggering. numbers. Yeah, massive numbers. Staggering. Why do they do that? Because there's an appetite. Why are they there? Because there's clearly an appetite for this. So, um, there's two, so there's two things. Hang on a minute. Yes, there's an appetite. There's also very little regulation around it. We've got Ipsos, we've got Impress, both recognised as being toothless watchdogs. So at the moment, they can pretty much print what they like and then people think they can follow suit and comment what they like. Mm. Whereas if it's, you know, you cannot legally write someone a poison pen letter, but what you can put online, it seems, is... <laughs> It's Fair pretty game. much anything. <laughs> Fair game. And the social networks, as we know, there isn't any regulation. It's a issue, yeah. They self-regulate, so it's, uh, anything goes right. It's a very odd state of affairs, isn't it? And I think you're It's incredibly right, complex you're and it's right very nuanced. In that this issue brought us up short and has brought the media issue up short as it did I, I remember you know um, around the time of the death of Paulie Yates Amy Winehouse Lady Diana Spencer who all seen sad similar fractious relationships with the media where they courted attention but also the press hounded them yeah, and this is this this thing that people think that if you're a celebrity, you're fair game, and I don't necessarily believe that. I can understand why there was there's been this push for Caroline's Law, uh, which is to give celebrities greater privacy. I don't necessarily think that's the answer, but I can understand why there is a push for it. And I know that's something that Paul Sutton is looking at uh, in much greater depth. He's I did a podcast with him last week. It's coming out shortly, um, if it hasn't by the time this has dropped. It's the digital download. I, I really would recommend giving it a listen Paul's very thoughtfully approached this issue in depth and um, certainly I learned a lot from from speaking to him too but the problem we've got for me is about taste and decency and I think the wake up call that I got and everybody's using the hashtag be kind because that's what Caroline Flack used in, in her uh, in an Instagram post that was published after she died which her family shared which she'd wanted to share but had been legally advised not to and, and I think actually do you know what that's a really it's a really good place to start because as we've said there needs to be more regulation part of Caroline's issue she felt uh, it's reported that she wasn't able to rebut a lot of the stories that were appearing um, and um, so there's this issue of kind of like fake news and us making sure that we check where we're consuming what we're consuming and also how we're responding you know talked about be kind I had to stop myself what happened was a few days later um, there was a big I can't remember what the event was actually I think it was a big film industry event and there was a picture of Billie Eilish that circulated and I nearly commented and I had to stop myself and go back and I just thought you know what it just shows every single one of us has to modify our behaviour because if we don't if we don't consume it it will you know, it's it's less of a less of a priority for them to print these kind of stories, yeah, and we see it as well all the time, don't we? I mean, so this isn't just an issue around celebrities, though. This can absolutely happen to anybody. I mean, you you were quite interested by the Yorkshire Tea story yeah, so this week. Let's move on to that. So, the Chancellor of the Exchequer Friday before last. I can't believe we're. It's almost. 10, 9, 10 days ago and we're still talking about this story it shows the state of the media in the UK and social media the Chancellor of the Exchequer tweeted a photo of himself with a massive bag of Yorkshire tea and it was one of those sort of Man of the people, man of the people type moment. Look, I'm making tea, and uh, I, I, 
whether he made a cup of tea or not. The response was the response insane, response was wasn't it? Nuts. So massive industrial sized packet of, of Yorkshire tea. People pile into Yorkshire tea. Saying um, how can you yeah support the Conservative government talking about austerity, you know, a lot of issues that, that, frankly, the current Conservative government isn't dealing with, but aren't really the issue, aren't really... And the brand uh, had to very quickly come out and defend itself and say, obviously, they have no control of the people posting pictures in which they're featured. Yeah, I mean, to, to, to be fair to Yorkshire Tea, they cited the instance two years ago of where... Jeremy Coleman did a similar photo stunt. Um, you can't, you know, if you're a brand, you can't control who uses um And they weren't showing products. any political views either way. No, they weren't. Um, but then the story took a twist, didn't it? Um, so these, conversa- these these tweets continued to pile in over last weekend. The Obviously, the social media managers turned up on Monday morning uh, and responded to one tweet in particular from a woman who had, over a, in, a, in, a, in a thread, over five or six tweets, really gone in strong at, at the brand. And they came out with what is, I mean, I, I've got to say, I, I barely laughed when I saw it, Sue, you're shouting at tea. So on the face of it, it looked like just a little bit of banter, um, which was quickly picked up and shared again. That but was it also created in the lady. a John Ronson moment, right? Yeah. which we'll, we've got John Ronson's book somewhere. Brilliant, brilliant book. Which is called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Yeah. So what happened was they responded to a... Everybody then piled in on Sue, and she decided to come off. I think she's actually come off Twitter, she did, hasn't she? she? Uh, and she deleted deleted the tweet. You know, this then started the conversation, particularly in our industry, about whether if you were a troll trolling a brand, it's fair game. And I, I felt very, very uneasy about this when I saw the tweet immediately. I thought, there was no, a power no, imbalance, wasn't there? And you went back I, through a thread. Yeah, if you weren't back to a friend, you had a duty of care. Brands have duties of care. Series, you know, clearly he was he was a a, a woman that used Twitter, an individual that used Twitter to vent uh, an awful lot. Uh, And having just read John Ronson's book, I immediately saw that individuals were going to go after this woman in in a way that you know as Ronson discussed by this book by the way is brilliant so let's contextualize it so basically John Ronson traveled the world and he met people who were basically publicly shamed in a very high profile way Um, and it was people who perhaps just like us made a bad joke at one point had a bad day got it wrong or did some people let's not get it right some people have got it spectacularly wrong what the good thing about Ronson is is this book is so well researched he's gone to the original sources of the tweet and talked to people first in in first person about their experiences so the woman who was at Heathrow Airport who tweeted uh, two years ago about heading to to Africa and hope she didn't get aid. But then um, she wouldn't because she was white in terms of a dig at her own privilege. Yeah. But then when she landed, the, the whole She'd lost her media, job, her, world's, yeah, the the world's her world was, was destroyed. Um, so that story's in there. And then you immediately, so maybe I, mean, I was completely heightened by having read, read Ronson's book and saw um, this is exactly what would happen. And it is what would what happen. The woman, poor woman, got absolutely hounded. So yeah, there's a power in balance if you're a brand on social media with a hundred thousand followers and someone with two thousand followers comes 200 or 200 followers comes at you and you respond to them promoting their tweet or highlighting their tweet 
that's not on because you're there's a massive power imbalance. Now the I said that is, you know, the thing is, it is it's not an easy area, isn't it? You ha- you respond, and often you've got yeah. people, social media managers, are responding. You know, they've they've got you know they've been told how they can respond that they've got to be on voice on you know on yeah, message yeah. it's 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 not an exact science is it no. and and i don't think we can anybody could always any claim to always get it right no. but no. um it's, it's a really interesting area and it's there's there's work to do no, there's a lot of work to do and you know you you've had moments where you you've had the internet pile on you and it's really well, really awful right full circle you know caroline flack talked about the shame the shame that she experienced and what she was frightened of and, you know, other stories coming to light. And um, a lot of reports talk about the fact that she really didn't want what was going to happen in court played out publicly via the media. And the one thing I can really understand about her, and, and to be honest, kudos to her for having lived for it for as long as she did, the shame that comes with being publicly outed for reviews, even if where where especially where they're misreported, because mine were misreported. Apparently, hers were on many, many times. I have I have never felt shame like it, mainly because of the embarrassment I felt I brought to those I loved and those I knew. And yeah. actually, leaving the house was really hard. Walking into the schoolyard for the first time was really hard. Going to Sainsbury's was really hard because you know what? When you're faced on the front page of every media globally, and which. I can claim to have done. <laughs> it's it's tough, and it doesn't. It's not something you recover from overnight. Yeah. And I still, to this day, get the odd tweet or even email from people who go, "You're a mad bitch." Yeah. Which I am, but not for that. I had my opinion was quite right. It just was misreported. <laughs> I'm unrepentant. Still sore, but unrepentant. Let's move on to to LNER because I had a situation two weeks ago coming back from London on a train that was delayed by power failures for three hours, and we saw the same behaviour take place then in that uh, I think the social media team at LNER are brilliant they are you know they provide the best information they can uh, responding to individuals tweets in the best way that they can you know if you want to look for an exemplar in terms of customer service on the internet I'd, I'd certainly put them in my top two or three but because there's clearly a high level of frustration um, as trains along the East Coast were delayed for up to three hours, people piled in and started being very abusive to the team. Uh, and similar sorts of, you know, similar sorts of uh, antagonism was directed at that. And, you know, it's just not fair. We need to behave better. It's back to common values and decency, is what I said as we opened. Right. Genuinely, that's, that seems to be what's missing. Social media, people think is an easy job. It's not. It's really not. Um, there's more work to be done there, just in terms of actually how we use it, how we engage. And I guess the the, the, the back to this whole hashtag that people are using, being kind is really not that difficult and probably the only to work harder at it. Where are we going to go next? Well, we've talked a lot longer than I expected about that, but coronavirus and news... I do want to talk about the news agenda, so let's let's just very quickly cover that, because we're still seeing this kind of Trump effect across here. Um, we've had this awful news story about Pretty Patel. It's been knocked, over, knocked off the pages today. Well, some of it has. But interestingly enough... Boris Johnson, who said that he won't comment on his family life and how many children he's got, all of a sudden decided to make public that his girlfriend is expecting her first baby on a day where a very, very, very high-profile civil servant has put in his resignation and said that he's going to sue 
for constructive dismissal. So quite interesting was in terms of when you know the the way the pace of the media is changing. Stories like Yorkshire Tea still around after 10 days but the, the really key issues that we're talking about being shunted down the agenda because of that kind of story so you know you looked at i think it was a sunday telegraph two-thirds of the page devoted to boris and carrie congratulations to them both and um bottom right hand was the was a story about coronavirus which is the perfect segue into that you wrote a blog post about this Stephen. yeah well did just explore that some weird things going on at the moment because mary beard blocked as a by number 10 as a trustee for the British Museum. The British Museum. There's this story uh, of the civil servant resigning. He went public, very, very public. Broadcast, on a, like on immediate broadcast BBC statement. News. Yeah. And then you got, you did get this announcement from Boris Johnson yesterday that knocked that story right down the page. It also knocked coronavirus right down the front yeah. pages. So we've had this situation for the last two months where coronavirus discovered in in China hasn't been contained and has been spread through international travel uh, and various different countries have have addressed the situation at at different speeds in different ways. The World Health Organization hasn't yet called it a pandemic but almost certainly it will come this week because I, I did some digging around this um you know in in an instance where you've got public public health issue um three important things clarity consistency and honesty in in all communication there's a complexity with this virus in that an individual can carry it and be infected for two weeks before they show any signs of symptoms before they show signs of symptoms so we have this situation where we with the world health organization um, and the world health organization i would cite as an exemplar i'm going to talk about a few more in a moment the world health organization has published a dashboard worldwide of reported incidences of the disease and also deaths from from the disease and we're tracking around 80,000 80,000 individual cases now and uh, you know, around 2,000 deaths unfortunately but that information is almost certainly imperfect and we do not know how how it's undercounted because of this incubation period of, of two weeks so there isn't any medicine it's a virus there, there isn't we're about uh, a year away from a vaccine we're a year away from a vaccine yeah um, so we've seen a number of different reactions to this so conference organizers have started closing down conferences so mobile world congress in in barcelona has been postponed mippin's been postponed the it's it's a discussion point uh, around big sporting fixtures now france and italy i think have banned large gatherings for an interim period right okay you know it's something that organizations and governments very clearly need to get to grips with incredibly quickly best form of defense good hygiene but there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, tons of misinformation out there. And the misinformation, unfortunately, is being created when public health meets political discourse. So President Trump has accused the Democratic Party in the run-up to the election in uh, the US election of, of politicising this issue. He's appointed Mike Pence to, to lead the US government response. And as far as I can tell, so far, Pence's response is to censor public health messaging through fear. Of course, here in the UK, though, a lot better. I mean, I've been saying now for weeks adverts on social saying the government and the NHS 
you know, that they have responded to... The NHS to, has been brilliant. In yeah. it. The NHS and... and um, have this in control. I mean, I think what's yeah. a really, it's been a really assertive message and it's a really reassuring message. Yeah. And from the off, I've got to say their response was absolutely superb. Yeah, so the Department of Health and Social Care publishing and a, a, a daily update at two o'clock every day of the number of instances of, of positive detections. Um, brilliant. Uh, and then the team at the NHS, NHS Digital, have built an app um, to help yourself diagnose so it asks you a series of questions mainly about your travel then about uh, any symptoms that you might have and you know refers you accordingly to medical practice great. very great great Super. Piece of kit. yeah um in the meantime wash your hands maintain safe social distance from people that might sneeze on you or share vapor droplets with you avoid touching your eyes nose and mouth um uh, no need to wear a mask unless you're in taking care of a person that you know has a has an infection. At least that is the moment is the advice from the World Health Organization. Great. Well, that's useful. Yeah. So let's um, follow that advice. Let's move on because we well, have... Well, just to say as communicators, we have an absolute response to to be very, very careful in, in how we help organisations communicate. And any communication around an issue like this has to be fact-based. Go to the World Health Organisation or the NHS or... And uh, check out our Future Proof Dis- Disinformation Guide yeah. if you want more um, yeah. information on best practice. Sorry, I interrupted you. Where are you, you going You did. Now? Dates for the diary because we are up to time. Um, need to mention that PRCA has launched its schools outreach program as part of National Careers Week, which is um, to be welcomed, promoting public relations as a career, hopefully going to make us a more inclusive industry. So they've they've created a whole load of assets and they're calling on their members, each member, to do one school visit a year. Great. And they've got videos and things that you can share as well. So please do do that. I know that Corey Camgos, who's the head of comms and marketing, is moving around the regions and and nations as well um, to talk to different people about this he's certainly coming he's coming to Newcastle on the 16th of March so um, I'll be seeing him then another date for the diary very exciting only a little bit of information to share but put this in the diary the inaugural future proof conference is uh, coming to town it's going to be based in Newcastle it's in association with the PRCA and the Institute of Directors and the theme is better directors build a better world so we're looking at purpose and social capital and the role of the media in holding power and brands to account it will be from 11 in Newcastle um, at the live theatre so I'm uh, oh, what a great venue. prepping a launch really so I'm not showing any more than that but um, I'm hugely excited and we have got some great speakers so brilliant venue hold that thought. really that's a, that's a re- I love that venue it's, uh, it's great theatre in the round is great and it's only 10 minutes from the train station so easy walking distance right. and then finally another fantastic event which we've both spoken at and enjoyed before and that's PR Fest get that in the diary Laura um, has Laura Sutherland has organised the theme on the 18th of June as purpose over profit and again really important topic about this whole you know we wealth generation and being a responsible corporate citizen don't have to be doesn't have to be mutually exclusive so um, hopefully enough there to whet your appetite and get you along to um, to those two events and that's everything from me yeah everything from me we should let's do one uh, a bit sooner next time <laughs> absolutely thanks for listening thanks Thank you for listening to the Future Proof Podcast with Sarah and Stephen Waddington. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Mrs underscore Wads and Stephen at Wads. 
For more information about Future Proof, visit futureproofingcoms.co.uk. Until next time, see you on the internet. <laughs>